And uh, I'm going to be sharing with you today some things that the Holy Spirit taught me this week. You know, the Holy Spirit's our teacher, and he'll often, you know, teach us things. Sometimes there are things I already know, but I need refreshing. And, uh, you know, this is kind of one of those messages that I needed uh, more in-depth teaching of and a little bit refresher of what it means. And uh, I also, uh, tying in with this message, I was thinking of an old hymn that I knew. It's called The Church's One Foundation. Anybody know that hymn? You know, when, when I asked Dorita, she didn't know it. So I thought, well, she was raised in a Pentecostal circle. I was raised in the Catholic circle. So we know different hymns uh, sometimes. And I was thinking The Church's One Foundation, and it goes on to say, Is Jesus Christ Our Lord? And so I was going to sing that until I realized she didn't know it. So she said, I probably no one there will know it either. <laughs> so I didn't sing it. But, uh, you know, what is the foundation, our foundation? Our foundation, you know, aren't you glad? Let me just say it this way. Aren't you glad that that foundation is not our obedience to God? You know, it's because if our, if our foundation was being obedient to God, we'd be in a world of hurt. <laughs> because there are times that we miss it and and there are times that we fail or we falter and if that were the foundation that foundation would be crumbling and would crumble away but no our foundation is not based upon our obedience to God our foundation is based upon Jesus Christ our Lord and uh, you know the thing that I wanted to share with you today that the Holy Spirit taught me is that the covenant that we have with God, we call the new covenant. But there was another covenant in the Old Testament, uh, before the law that was called the covenant of Abraham. And I wanted to share with you that that covenant was not, uh, necessarily made. It was for Abraham, but it was not made with Abraham. So it, it's an interesting story. And I, I want you to look with me. We're going to be looking at uh, Genesis 15 verses 12 through 18. Just to kind of quickly go through uh, the scripture. And, uh, of course, you know, God made some great promises to Abraham. We all know that. He took him out and said, look at the stars of the sky. He says, as, as many as the stars in the sky are, so shall your descendants be. Well, you know, like a lot of us who get promises for God, we wonder, is this really going to be? Is God going to be faithful to fulfill this promise? And that, too, was Abraham's question. You know, is God really going to fulfill this? How do I know that you're going to fulfill this? And so God, uh, you know, set up, set this uh, scenario up to make this covenant with Abraham. And it, uh, let's begin with uh, verse 15. It says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and dark and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain. Everybody say, no for certain. So this is the purpose of the covenant. No for certain. Everybody say certain. You know, you can't be certain if it's based on you because, you know, we might make a mistake and then that's, that's down the hill. You know, no, he says, uh, no for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out uh, with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, 
and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Well, setting this up, God had directed Abraham to kill these animals in half, put one on one side, the other half on the other side. And uh, then, lo and behold, God put Abraham, he fell into a deep sleep. And uh, this is where we get the term a sleeping partner or a silent partner. So instead of Abraham walking in between, usually in a covenant, uh, the two people making the covenant would walk in between these, uh, you know, pieces of animal, and they would make their covenant between each other. But instead of Abraham walking with God, he put Abraham to sleep. Now, this covenant is for Abraham, but I want you to see that it's not made between Abraham and God. It's made between two entities, the smoking pot. Uh, let's look there again. The smoking, uh, 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 smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Now, these pieces are symbolic or emblematic of, of two, ent- two people, and that would be the father and the son. Do you, do you remember uh, that when he led the Israelites through the desert, it was a pillar of fire by night that went before them, or a pillar, a pillar of fire at night, but a cloud by day. This also represented the Father and the Son. And uh, so we see that in making this covenant, it wasn't the covenant made between Abraham and God. It was for Abraham, but it was made between God the Son, pre-incarnate Christ, and God the Father. So this Abraham, this covenant that Abraham had was unbreakable because it wasn't based on him. It wasn't based on how perfect he would be. In fact, we know he messed up, didn't we? Uh, we know that he, he decided this is taking just a little bit long. Maybe I need to help God out. Has anybody ever felt that way? Maybe I need to somehow do something to make this come along. How about uh, I'll go unto your maidservant, Sarah? Our Sarai, I'll go into your maidservant and I'll have a child by him and that will be the son of promise. Well, you know, he tried that and Sarah agreed and, and so he went unto Haggai and, and they had a child, Ishmael. Ishmael meaning the, the son of the flesh. But as God turned out, he said, no, that's not the plan I have. So even though he blessed Ishmael and, and, uh, you know, and Haggai, uh, that wasn't the plan God had. And so we see that God messed things up by getting into the flesh. I mean, God, I didn't mean God. I mean, Abraham messed things up by getting into the flesh. God doesn't have flesh to get, you know, messed up with. Uh, but Abraham got messed up, as many of us sometimes do, uh, by getting into the flesh, trying to take things into our own hands. And yet it didn't stop the covenant, did it? Yeah, you know, because the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so I want to turn from Abraham's covenant, which, you know, was for Abraham, but not made between Abraham and God. It was made between the, you know, God, the pre-incarnate Christ and God, the father. So then we come to the New Testament. And I want to look at uh, another scripture. Um And this is uh, in uh, John 19, verse 30. 
It says, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I was thinking, boy, that must have been some powerful vinegar. (laughs) But uh, no, I was was just, it wasn't the vinegar that made him give up the ghost. He was ready to finish his completed work on the cross. And I want you to realize the similarity that we have. And, And that completed his work of the cross. That completed the New Testament covenant. But I want you to see that there's a similarity between the covenant of Abraham and the covenant of the New Testament. Both are made between God the Father and God the Son. We are recipients of that great covenant if we make Jesus the Lord of our life. If any man be in Christ, the Bible says he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new have come, and all things are of God. So you become a recipient of that covenant once you enter into Christ by making him Lord of your life. Now, you know, what What do we say when we get to heaven? I was thinking about this also, that, uh, you know, I have a, a, a contemporary mentor who I've been listening to, and, and uh, she's been to heaven many times. One of the things she says is that uh, it's not Peter who stands at the pearly gates. It's actually Abraham. Well, that kind of makes sense because we call uh, the place that the Old Testament saints were kept Abraham's bosom. So it would make sense that it would be Abraham that would greet us in, at the heavenly gates. So what are you going to say to him when you get to the heavenly gates? Well, some might say, let's say one person comes up and they meet Abraham and Abraham says, greetings, welcome to heaven. Now, uh, just let me ask first, why should I let you through these gates? Well, the first person says, well, I was a really good person. And uh, he goes, nope, sorry. You have to stand over in the line over here for a while, and uh, we'll wait. And so then later, another person comes along, and uh, he says, welcome to heaven. And uh, let me ask you, why should I let you into these gates? And they say, well, I was the church's best worker. And uh, they said, uh, and he looks through his book, and he says, well, I see here on March 13th, the pastor really needed your help, but you were too busy. And you had other things in mind and plans already made and so on and so forth. And you didn't help the church on that day. So I'm sorry. Nope. You're out, too. So just stand over here for a while and uh, we'll, we'll deal with you in a moment. So then the next person comes up and, you know, and says, uh, greets Abraham. And Abraham says, uh, welcome to heaven. Now, why should I let you into these gates? And they say, well, I did many good works. I helped all kinds of people. I, I was just, you know, kind to so many. And he says, um, let's see here. And he's looking through his book and he says, no, on June 19th, you passed someone by who really needed help. And, uh, you know, you just uh, thought, I have plans for this money. I'm not going to give this money to them. And uh, so you missed helping them. So at one time disqualifies you because, you know, the the law said in the Old Testament, if you uh, fail in one small area, tot or, or tittle or dot or tittle, that you failed the whole law. So, you know, just because you, you know, did a lot of good things, but you failed in one area, you've still failed the whole law. So he says, I'm sorry, I can't let you in right now. 
you'll have to, you know, stand over here. So lo and behold, this other lady comes up. She had been a, uh, you know, not a necessarily good person on earth. She had done a lot of things wrong. She had, you know, maybe uh, uh, committed uh, many sins and had uh, fallen short, absolutely, of the glory of God. But at the very last moment, as she was dying, she cried out to Jesus. And as she was dying, Jesus appeared to her. And he said, I'm going to tell you a secret. When you get to see Abraham, tell him only the blood of Jesus. And so she passes away, and she gets before the pearly gates, and Abraham greets her and says, well, welcome to heaven. I'm surprised. (laughs) And he says, now, let me ask you, why should I let you into these gates? And she says, only the blood of Jesus. And he says, well, welcome in. (laughs) That's the right answer. Well, everybody who was standing there watched her. They thought, oh. I could have had a V8. Yeah, you know, they realized, you know, that they they uh, said the wrong thing, that they really had made Jesus the Lord of their life, but they gave the wrong answer. It wasn't their goodness. It wasn't their faithfulness. It wasn't helping the church out. It wasn't, you know, you know failing the, uh, to uh, sin, but it was only the blood of Jesus. So I want you to know, have that prepared for when you meet Abraham at the heavenly gate. Uh, it's only the blood of Jesus that allows you in. He is the church's one foundation. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And and so when we come in and we say only the blood of Jesus, he too will say, welcome in to your heavenly home. And uh, And besides that, I have a few surprises for you. Because you might find that you have a whole mansion, a whole wing of your mansion was built because of all those good works you had done for the church. Maybe uh, another Extra mansion, you know, uh, this uh, person I was telling you about shares things about heaven. She says that, uh, you know, sometimes we have more than one mansion. And, uh, you know, how it works is you may have a portal out in the backyard that looks like a door just standing there. But when you open that door and step through it, you're in another area of heaven, maybe in another mansion. A whole new mansion that God has prepared for you. And who knows how many of these doors you might have in your backyard because of all the wonderful things you've done for everybody. But that alone does not allow you to get into heaven. It may be a reward for uh, those good works, but it's not allow. It doesn't allow your entrance into heaven. So the good news that you know the Holy Spirit was teaching me and really emphasizing all week is that this covenant is not between me and God. It's not based on me. So if I fail, it doesn't mean the covenant goes away. So many people treat it like the covenant is really between God and me. And when I sin, somehow now I'm the unrighteousness of God. I want you to know that the truth is that Jesus, the covenant is between Jesus and the Father. And that covenant never will be destroyed. Just because you break something or make a mistake doesn't end the covenant because Jesus is sinless. That's why it had to be a sinless lamb who made the covenant between uh, he and God, because he will never sin. He will never miss it. So even when you miss it, it doesn't keep you from going to heaven. It does. So many times we live our life like somehow the devil makes us realize all of our past mistakes. 
Have you ever had the devil bring them before you? You've done this, you've done that, and then before long you're just feeling really sinful and you're feeling unrighteous and you feel like, I really don't deserve God's goodness. I don't really deserve his riches. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve these things. Well, of course you don't. But the reason that you can still have them even when you make a mistake is because the covenant is between Jesus and the Father. And Jesus will never break that covenant. It will never dissolve. It is forever there. Amen. I want to share with you another scripture. This is in um, James 1, verse 17. It says, every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect. Streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. So in other words, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever is the full scripture. And he never changes. He never will. The covenant will never be broken. It is always intact. I want you to understand that once you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are forever the righteousness of God in Christ. It doesn't change because you've missed it. Because you've sinned or hollered at your wife or done something sexually inappropriate or whatever it is that you've ever done in life, it doesn't change the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Because the Bible says, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin, he was made sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, I want you to notice that wording, made the righteousness of God in Christ. You didn't earn it. You didn't attain it. You didn't become holy enough to have it. And so it's not something you could do. It You were made the righteousness Who made you the righteousness of God in Christ? Jesus. He made you righteous by taking your sin, the sin nature upon himself, and giving you his nature, which is righteousness. So I want you to understand when when you uh, miss it, you don't suddenly become the unrighteousness of God in Christ. You know, we, we think in those terms, in natural terms, and that's what the Holy Spirit was trying to get across to me as well as to you now, is that when you miss it, you don't become unrighteous. You are still the righteousness of God in Christ. There's a wonderful scripture in uh, First John, and it says that he's, you know, that the blood of Christ continually, it says in the Greek, continually cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Christ continually cleanses. Everybody say continually. You know, a lot of times we think it, it we're unrighteous until finally we go and ask God forgiveness and we repent and are sorrowful for our sins. But at what point is there enough sorrow for sin? You know, people have gone uh, into religious areas where they cry, they bawl, you know, for long periods of time. They fast, they pray. In in Middle Ages, the monks would beat themselves with a whip. All of this, and and even in the Catholic Church, you know, when we confessed our sins, you had to have a penance. And you had to perform that penance in in order to be forgiven. But I want you to understand there's no work of man that you can add to the work of Christ. 
There's nothing you can do to add to the finished work of the cross of Christ. Nothing. In other words, once you make him Lord of your life, you are continually the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, yeah, you may may uh, miss it occasionally. But then that's where the other scripture kicks in, that the blood of Christ continually cleanses you from all sin. It continually. You know, there's another scripture that uh, shares this or proves this. Um, it's uh, from Ephesians 1, 7. And it says this, in whom we have redemption. Everybody say have redemption. Now, notice the tense of that verb. It doesn't say we will have. It doesn't say you shall have, even the emphatic version. It is in whom we have redemption. Have is like a present tense. It's right now. Once you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. In whom we have, that means you have it now. It's not something in the future. It's something you have right now. Then let's look at Colossians 1.14. The Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so in Colossians 1, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Again, the very same thing. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, should we be sorrowful for our sins? Of course. Uh, if you're born again, you're automatically sorry for your sins. I mean, I, no one has to tell me I should be sorry for missing it because I immediately feel compunction in my heart. And, you know, it's good to say, I'm so sorry, Lord, you had to die for my sins. You know, it's okay to say that. But I want you to know you didn't become unrighteous because you sinned. Because the covenant is between Jesus and the Father. He didn't sin. And so you remain the righteousness of God in Christ, in Christ. Those are the key words, in Christ, even when you miss it. What a grace this is that the covenant is not between me and God. Because if it were, every time I missed it, then that would annul the covenant. And immediately I would become the unrighteousness of God in Christ and I would be doomed to hell. So, you know, then I'd have to get saved all over again. And we'd have to, you know, make a new covenant, continually making a new covenant. Well, that was the fault of the Old Testament. Do you know how many lambs and goats died and bulls died because of the sins of people? Every time they sinned, they had to sacrifice another lamb. No wonder they had so many. <laughs> That's why they kept propagating their flocks, you know, because, you know, we have to make a sacrifice for every sin we commit. I mean, I just can't imagine how, how many lambs died because of the sins of people. But Jesus died once and for all. He was the sinless lamb, and he died once and for all. No need to have any more sacrifice. There's never a need to sacrifice anymore because this covenant stands for eternity. And when you come to the pearly gates, remember that. And when Abraham says, well, why should I let you into these pearly gates? Just remember those words, only the blood of Christ. That's my plea. Only the blood of Christ allows me into this heavenly realm. Know you are the righteousness of God in Christ. 
Know that he became sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness. Know that it's an eternal covenant. Know that the Jesus is your firm foundation that will never crack, will never waver, will never change. God, it never changes. Amen. And and though a lot of things in life might change, we might change, Jesus and God never changes. That covenant is still in effect, still in, in effect in our lives. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the word. Thank you for teaching, teaching us. Help us this week to really live this practically and know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Even when we miss it, that you don't take our righteousness away from us. That the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. We thank you and praise you uh, for this for this grace in our life. And I just want to give all of those who might be watching or even here, if you're not born again, I want to give you that opportunity. If you've not placed yourself in Christ, if you've not asked him to be the Lord of your life, I want you to do that today. Simply say these words. Oh, Heavenly Father, I take Jesus as the Lord of my life. I ask you to be my Savior. I thank you for dying for me, for becoming sin for me, that I might be made righteous. I declare Jesus as my Lord. And when I get to heaven, I will say, only the blood of Jesus has set me free. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just touching people today who might be watching Help them, deliver them, set them free, work in each and every one of their lives, doing exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, hope, dream, or desire. Father, perfect that which concerns us. Help us to go into new heights in you, to learn of you and to walk in those heavenly realms that you have prepared for us that you have prepared the paths, and that nothing that the devil does in our life, condemnation, you know, Paul said that there's now therefore no condemnation. How can there be no condemnation when even he missed it? How can there be no condemnation when we've missed it? Only the blood of Jesus, because that blood continually cleanses us from all sin. Thank you and praise you for it. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I hope that refreshes you. I know it's probably something you've, you've known or understood, but it's like, you know, we need to hear these things again and again because we begin to begin to fall back into old habits. And one of those old habits is like, oh, I'm just an old sinner, you know, saved by grace. No, you're not a sinner anymore. You were a sinner. Now you're saved by grace. Oh, I'm just so unworthy. No, you're no longer unworthy. Christ became your worthiness. He's made you worthy. You're worthy to receive everything that God offers you and has for you. You're worthy. You know, isn't it interesting? The very moment you sin, the very next second, you can still come into the Father's presence. Why is that? Why can you come into his presence and say, Father, I'm so sorry? Why can you even come into his presence once you sinned? Because that blood continually cleanses you from all sin. Because that blood speaks uh, in the heavenly realm of your righteousness. 
And you're always welcome in the Father's presence. Always, because you are the righteousness of God in Christ. There's never one moment in your life that God will say, I'm sorry, you were, you know, just said too many wrong things yesterday, and I can't just bear to be and, you know, have you in my presence. Never a time he's going to do that. Never a time he's going to kick you out. Isn't that good news? Never a time God's going to kick you out of his presence, his heavenly presence. Nope, he'll take you in every time. Amen. Amen. I love you all. And I just believe that today will be a great day for you and that the coming days and the weeks that the Holy Spirit will take the message I've given you today and just maybe even develop it, teach you even further, maybe reiterate it or speak to your heart even further concerning it. And uh, just get alone with God and, and let him speak to you. He wants to speak to each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Love you all. God bless you. Amen.